am the legendary Burl Bear. Welcome to True Crime Uncensored. Co-hosts uh, Mark C.G. Boy, hey. our fact checker. Howard Lapidus, manager to the star. Hello. Take an art class. <laughs> yeah, I never went. Dale. Yes, I'm here. How I, are you? I was talking uh, the other day that I think I'm going to have a steel cage match of everybody who's written a book about Jack the Ripper. We got the guy who says it was his great-grandfather. We got the guy who says it was uh, the doctor's wife. And now we have you who says, of all people in the universe, that Jack the Ripper was Vincent Van Gogh. With blood. (laughs) I want to get down to the real nitty-gritty here. All right. Okay, now tell me, you were minding your own business, right? Or somebody else's is the case. Yeah, maybe standing in a dive bar or sitting at home, when suddenly, out of the clear blue of the western sky, you were reading Vincent Van Gogh's uh, emails or letters or whatever it was, and you (laughs) you decided the guy was an ass, right? Uh, well, no, I had uh, read a book of his uh, selected letters. It's called Dear Theo to his brother. Yeah. And, I, and I, I became disenchanted with my, you know, my Vincent Van Gogh, my painter hero. I'm a painter, and he's the guy I wanted to emulate the most. Yes, yeah, so you go out and get yourself nope. a razor? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, just within two weeks of finishing that book, I read my first Jack the Ripper book, Trisha Cornwell's book, Jack yeah. the Ripper. And, uh... And that uh, the whole time I was reading that, I was uh, basically saying, "Hey, this sounds like Vincent Van Gogh." And her her book is about her her suspect is Walter Walter Sickert, who happens to be an English art painter, you know. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And she really didn't have the evidence to piece it together, but it's a good read. She's she's a very good writer, of course. And I, I like to say that uh, you know she spent six million dollars to to get the wrong man. It only took me six thousand to get it right. No, 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 Dale, 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 Dale. That's, that's, yeah. how, that's Howard coming in. Oh, Dale. Wait, hey, you, you're missing one more Dale. Dale. <laughs> Dale, please. One's good enough. Okay. Now, what you're saying, just so we have this straight, yeah. is you're going to present today on this show yeah. some sort of a storyline that will lead us to believe that Vincent Van Gogh was Jack the Ripper. Uh, uh, correct? Not only lead you to believe that, but it's the facts, the evidence stated, it's facts, it's who he was. Okay. All right, All right. I'm from the, I think you've lost your mind camp. So, so but, I know, I understand. Okay. So, and, and I know I'm not alone, and I know I'm not the captain of the club, but, but I'm extremely fascinated <laughs> by the premise, and I will try to do my best to keep my mouth shut and let you prove your case. But, oh, well, but I had to, but I had to say that you know when I first heard that you were coming on the show, uh, yeah. I said to myself, "This guy is a whack ball." <laughs> we thought maybe you were the Alex Jones of true crime. That too. <laughs> oh, there's that. Hey, That's a whole other story. I, I understand that completely. Okay, so and I say that up front because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disguise my feelings or my thoughts or, or you know. Yeah, you okay, we got that now. All right. How is it that you happen to make this connection? Well, it was after reading that first Jack the Ripper book and thinking, hey, this sounds like Van Gogh, just kind of in a playful way. Once I finished that book, I grabbed my Van Gogh paintings and thought, hey, there ought to be some kind of indication in there that Van Gogh was Jack the Ripper in his paintings. I went through the whole painting list that I had there, and I didn't see anything at all. I mean, he's got beautiful, colorful paintings, you know. But there was this one painting, and and it's the Iris's painting, beautiful yellow background. And I thought, maybe I'd like to paint that as a sample. And I came back that to the next the next night just to take a look at that and bam this face pops out it's the same face as mary kelly which is the sixth jack the ripper victim who was you know you know that but yeah. she was had her photo taken and uh, 
at the crime scene in her room and her, on her bed, deathbed. Right, bed got, and, got it right. I'm holding the picture up to the microphone as we speak. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Everybody's well, lost their mind today. Those who want to follow along with this, they can go to vincentaliasjack.com and they can see that photo alongside the Irish's painting. And you can see the face that I saw. And that's uh, after reading that Ripper book, staring at that face of Mary Kelly, trying to see in that some kind of identity and just totally mutilated, her old body mutilated. And because I'd stared at it so much, you know, you look at that painting and it popped out and there was her face. And then further study over the years of just analyzing that, that painting and finding many other hidden images. In fact, her whole body's hidden in there amongst these irises in a vase on a table. And, uh, yeah, it just went on from there. You know, I, I took it off and, and had to do the due diligence of the research, which took three years and then two and a half years to write the book, and this is for real. Has your research been verified or uh, vilified? I, I'm a nobody. So, uh, you know, it'll be verified once I get a publisher out there. Okay, now. So, so you've got to get a publisher to believe your story. Well, I didn't have to believe the story, just believe people will buy oh, the story. People book. will buy the story and be interested <laughs> in the story. Yeah, no, I understand. By the way, parenthetically, you're a, a terrific painter, and people can go to the website and see your stuff. I, I was really impressed with it. Hey, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah that's part, part of the reason that, that this discovery has been made. It required both me being a painter and a writer, and those two combinations of the curiosity of things and uh, had led to that. And it's, you know. Wanting to be more productive as a painter is what led me to read more about Van Gogh and find out, hey, he's not the same guy I thought he was. Now, what was he like? What did you glean from his letters? Well, I mean, everybody's got the image of him, the sympathetic kind of image. He cut off his ear and, that, you know, he went crazy for his work. You know, he was such a mad genius and all this, and they're sympathetic. You just played sorry, sorry, nice. Highly sympathetic towards who he is. That's a, a false image of who Van Gogh was. What's he, the real he, image? The real image is he was an alcoholic. He visited prostitutes regularly. Yeah, I can, don't blame what, what makes that a bad guy? No, I know. <laughs> no, 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 well, no, no, I'm not kidding. I'm not that I'm an alcoholic okay. or visit well, prostitutes. But, well, well, one of those but, two. But why pass judgment? No, I'm, I'm not. Okay. I'm just pointing out here he, he was a little different than I had perceived him to be. Okay, that's it, fair enough. broke down that initial image of him. And it's really, the main thing that stood out just the first time I read his letters was, this guy is a spoiled brat. He, is, he has a sense of entitlement that is just enormous. He, he thinks everybody owes him money. He must have been got, a liberal. <laughs> yeah, he would have fit in good today with the generation. But, Guess who? Yeah. yeah. Um, our producer, Matt Allen, has a question for you here. All right. Dale. You, you know that uh, I appreciate Howard Lapidus, Entertainment Manager of the Star, but... Yeah. Past judgment. You sometimes you make the most ridiculously inane statements of anyone that I've ever heard on or off the radio, Howard. Even more than Burrell? He is not passing judgment. When someone talks about a, a man's image as opposed to who he really is, if he is an alcoholic, visits prostitutes, yeah, that's sort of a Ugly um, underbelly of you have a pristine image of him. Yeah, of course. That's 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 not passing judgment, but you coming from an extremely left <laughs> standpoint, Howard. You notice I'm not a burl on this, but from an extremely left standpoint, anything is fine. 
You know, it's like there are no rules. Well, so, right. so, only, except the rule that there's no rules. Yeah, and and so you're you're wrong. He's not passing judgment. No. And by the way, who know? You know, you start off. Howard starts off by by slapping this guy around, which I don't blame you for doing, and saying, "Well, you know, I'm not the president of the club, but I uh, I think that maybe you're nuts." What makes this guy more nuts than anyone else with this premise about a, a nutty guy in Vincent Van Gogh you who see, Matt, cut off his friggin' you, you ear? See, Matt, and who is see, out of his mind? I'm thrilled that you you took the time to come in here from from the producer's booth and 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 well, but the past because well, hang on a second. My job judge. my job is just to is to strike an emotion. Every, I did, yes, and I'm happy. Do, whether I you like come off like an idiot, I'm That's not. Okay. I don't care. I don't care as long as people are listening. I don't care. You know, but the the, the and oh is, by the way, but by, by the way, believe that you believe that that much of what comes out of your mouth you believe Howard Lapierre. Oh, I I, don't, I, I believe uh, very little. Of what comes out of my mouth. Okay. Matt, meanwhile, let's find out if, if uh, Dale. Uh, yes. Is uh, it okay? I'm digging this guy. Matt, <laughs> is it okay to visit drunk prostitutes? <laughs> just check. If she's an alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> Although she could just be a heavy drinker. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, getting back to this, you discovered that you had a pristine image of Vincent Van Gogh, and the more you uh, read about him, the more you read his letters, you discovered the guy was kind of uh, a spoiled brat, kind of an ass, great sense of entitlement, thought he was maybe better than everybody else. And what else? Well, but that's well, someone could be like that and don't want to slice people up and take their uterus home in a bag. But hang on a second. <laughs> Matt, come back in here for a second. Wait, 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 come on. I want to get my guest to have airtime here. Oh, your guest is out of his mind. Matt, come here for a second. My guest is not out of his mind. I'm teasing Dale. Dale's got a sense of humor, and he's going with this. Yeah. And he's a terrific artist. He, well, that, that, I'm, I'm going to check this out. This is interesting stuff. See? Yeah. We're doing our job, Matt. <laughs> uh, what's the well, website that, that again? Just, that was just the initial image that led me to that sort of sense of disenchantment with my hero. That wasn't the... Hey, he is Jack the Ripper. It was then the discovery of that face, and I actually discovered it in uh, 2004, and then and then set it aside. I'm like you. I thought it was crazy. This is nuts. This can't be real. I looked. The first thing I looked up was, hey, he lived all the way down in the south of France. These are murders are occurring in London. There's no way. 1888. How's he going to travel up? Numerous times, you know, throughout. Yeah, the that was my question. Where was Vincent when these people were being sliced and diced? Yeah, he was living in the south of France in Arles, 1888. He moved there in February from Paris down to Arles. And and uh, the interesting part of that is that same week there was an attempted murder in London and another one in March, and I believe he, he, he was warming up, you might say. But, yeah, it was the, uh, the image, seeing that hidden image, kicked it off and uh, the research, but it was two years later after I discovered that that I came back to it and said I need to look a little deeper instead of, just looking at one thing and saying it's impossible, it's too far away. And the research dispelled all that. All the doors were opening that I thought would be slammed shut. I mean, he was my hero. So let's, what, let's, what, let's, uh, what, how did he wind up in England? I mean, did he, he would have had to have been there in order to do it, you think? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he traveled there. That's how he did. And his brother, Theo, younger brother, supported him financially completely for the last 10 years of his life. And the and he generally, in his letters, is thanking Theo for, you know, the money he spent. And it shows that he had the money, which, which only cost about 100 francs uh, a full, you know, round trip. And so he could afford it, number one. Number two, you've got one of my greatest finds ever. is uh, called Bradshaw's Railway Guide, Continental Railway Guide. It's, it's from March 1888. It's got all the train schedules throughout Europe. You know, those in England want to go travel. They would take this, this book and follow along throughout Europe. Yeah. And it's great. It gives, all, it gives all the train schedules and the steamer schedules. And, and what it basically shows, 
is Van Gogh could be, you know, leave from Arles and be in London within 24 hours. So he's really got a total turnaround time of about three days. <laughs> well, what did what did his brother do, by the way? His brother worked at the art gallery called Goopels, which Vincent had worked at before also. And uh, this was part of the envy, that part of his motive relates to envy with his brother Theo, who continued on that path where he failed in it and went different ways. Well, now so we had- come up with three things when it comes to murder. You need motive, means, and opportunity. opportunity. Right. What are the motive, means, and opportunity for Vincent Van Gogh taking a 24-hour trip to leave town, go to another town, uh, kill some people, rip out their innards, and then go home? Because I believe his first murder was when he lived in London. A lot of people don't know that Van Gogh lived in London. While he was working for Goupel's Art Gallery, he was transferred from Holland to London in 1873 as a 20-year-old man, had a lot of ambition, and he gets there, and they put him in a warehouse. There's no gallery there. He's been working in a gallery for four years. Now they basically demote him, and he's he's getting despondent, depressed. And you've got within uh, a few months of arriving there, there's this uh, the, the body parts of a female start showing up in the River Thames. But then you didn't answer Burl's question. Okay. The motive? Uh, well, yeah. The motive is uh, his family. Everything relates back to his family. They, he felt that they interfered in his life, and part of that is that transfer to London. And it appears there was some trouble back in London, and I think it relates to uh, getting a prostitute pregnant. And he, and he speaks of this later when he's referring back to it. I think they got him out of the way and sent him over to London to say, hey, get away from this pregnant woman. But it's that. It's his family interfering in his life. He's a psychopath. He believes everything's everybody else's fault. He blames them for everything. All of his troubles that he caused, everybody was everybody else's everybody, fault. Well, that's common yeah, but, with psychopaths. Yeah, but hang on a second. I mean, I, yeah. I act that way. I'm not, I'm not killing people. <laughs> I mean, well, so what, 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 what takes, what, what's the motive to kill, to actually the element, kill? The other element is, uh, well, revenge. It's revenge and it's envy, hatred for it's, uh, women. It's uh, hatred, revenge towards his family. But it's also the added element that pushes him over the top. It's Theo. Theo started working at Duples at, at 15 years old. Vincent started at 16. He's the eldest. He's, he's supposed to be this replacement of the, the head of the family. He's called Uncle Sint. And here, here he is working. Now he's stuck in a warehouse, and they've started Theo working at Duples in Brussels, Belgium. Hey, Dale, sibling yep. jealousy goes up and down the street. But that I'm still waiting for the motive for murder. What moves it from being normal sibling rivalry yeah. or family squabbles? Uh, to, yeah, ripping out, to ripping out innards and, 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 and mutilating bodies to yeah. the extent they're unrecognizable. He is highly ambitious. He, he, he's got that... The sense of entitlement. He's got that grandiosity attitude. He, he buys himself a top out in London. He walks around. He thinks he's a big shot. No, you haven't crossed. And, uh, it. Show me where he crosses the line, please. Where does he cross he, the line to murder? He and, crosses the line because that he's he feels he's being destroyed. He's being taken. Theo is replacing him. Everything that he it, it does ma- it does make sense when you look at other psychopaths and what they do. They build up a certain amount of tension and resentment, and they release it by they tried it, they tried it, they liked it, they did it again. So, in terms of if he, if he was a psychopath, murdering to relieve tension is not unusual. You know, it doesn't have to be highly personalized in that matter. I'm not quite so sure yeah. I buy it. It seems a lot of circumstantial stuff. But uh, you've done a lot of work on this, years of research. Yes, three years of research, intense research, full-time going at it, and, and then, you know, the writing's important, too, so that two and a half years to 
to do it right and get it all right. I mean, be very thorough. Now, what about, what about the, now, I, from what I understand, the letters supposedly from Jack the Ripper were actually written by a guy who worked for, what, the, the Times of London. Now, you have uh, him writing these letters, am I correct? I think somebody said it was from the Star. It's the, the Star, yeah. But, but yes, uh, that's, that's the going uh, theory, is that they either either the murderer wrote none of the Jack the Ripper letters, or maybe just a few. I mean, there's one, one thing, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but the one thing yeah. about that is that Jack the Ripper didn't put himself out there as the brand Jack the Ripper. The brand was created by the media. And, and I disagree. Oh, you so 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 Jack the Ripper came up with the brand and said, "I'm Jack the Ripper, and that's <laughs> that's my brand yes. for murder." Okay. Vincent Van Gogh was very creative, and I'm by not... the time by the time he got to his Jack the Ripper murders, it had been 15 years after his first murder. He was a mature serial killer. He created a persona and named it Jack the Ripper. He wrote the Jack the Ripper letters. Now this was this was uh, this is what I was going to ask is I have seen comparisons of Vincent Van Gogh's handwriting and the handwriting in the letters from Jack the Ripper, and I'm not a handwriting expert as we all know. However, as a layman, I say they look remarkably similar. It is stunningly similar. That that's stunningly, the yes, they I, do. I put out there it's the breakdown of actual individual characters, and you can see that it's a style that Van Gogh used very rarely in his letters to kind of put a gap between all of the, the stem and the turn of the, you know, the A kind of thing. And here it is in a Jack the Ripper letter, and, and side by side you can see this exact... Exact same thing, yeah. Which, which, year, which, which, which year did he cut off right or left? His left ear. Okay, so why didn't he cut off the left ear of all of his uh, people if he's such a great branding expert? <laughs> they would have given him away. He, he did. Oh, he well, did? He did cut off the ears of victims, yes. In the first, what is known as the Dear Boss Ripper letter, he threatened to cut off the, the ears of his next victim, and then uh, three days later, he did that. He, the double event tried in Eddowes, he cut off Eddowes' ear, just ran a spice through it. He also cut off Mary Kelly's ears, and that was in November. And then he got to December 23rd is when he cut off his cut off. He chose his ear. There are other reasons why he cut his ear, but he chose his ear to cut because he was Jack the Ripper. He'd already cut the ears, and it relates. You know, after he cut his ear off, he gave it to a prostitute just to add to the, you know, that's what's going on. He's got the connection. He's going, hey, here's my ear. I've cut off some of your people here. Here's mine. What was the one thing that you found happened that, that took uh, that took Van Gogh from your hero to a zero? Hero to a zero. Well, finding out he was a serial killer probably bummed him out. Well, let's ask Dale. Well, I mean, it was it was the progression of it. It was that first initial thing to just have, I was just playing, just having fun with the idea because of what uh, Patricia Cornwell was presenting, I was like, no, that's not really matching right, but, but that sounds like Van Gogh. And I kept all through the book, I was doing that. So the first part of it was just play, just goofing around, and, and then looking and spotting that image, and then having to deal with what in the world is that. Yeah, and it just moved from that of trying. I, the first few months of deciding to write the book was about, I've got to believe this is real. I want to be convinced myself. Well, I'll tell you, when I saw the very clear image of a hand and a knife in that painting I started to take a whole new look at what your theory was because well, that, Vincent that, you can take a look at those right now okay, we're going to take a 60 second break to sharpen our cutlery we'll be right back on True Crime Uncensored starry starry night paint your palette blue and gray look out on a summer's day 
With eyes that know the darkness in my soul. Hey, Johnny Cosmo here, loyal demon at Outlaw Radio, author of Gone with the Wind and the Player's Guide to Playing. Hey, if you're like me, you love to listen to Outlaw Radio's live broadcast Saturdays, 3 p.m. Pacific, and even listen during the week, but you don't want to be tied to your computer. Here's great news for you nonconformists who own a cell phone. Go to RadioLoyalty.com and locate the Outlaw Radio free app. Yes, I said free. Santa Claus got your letter. You can now hang with the wrong crowd on radio wherever you go. Think of the laughs you'll have in your church pew or while sitting on a jury. Join Magic Matt Allen and his circle of celebrities and academic halfwits. Whether you're on the go, on the take, or on the make, change the way you listen to radio seven days a week with the app that is free, complimentary, and gratis at RadioLoyalty.com. Hi, I am the legendary Burl Bear, and I have no artistic talent whatsoever. I can't draw a straight line with a ruler, but I can type. As Truman Capote said about Harold Robbins, he doesn't write, he types. And I write and I type. I write true crime books. My latest one is Body Count, the true story of the Spokane serial killer, Robert Lee Yates. You should buy several copies immediately. While you're at it, pick up Headshot, more than two and a half psychopaths, three trials, and a judge that walks out screaming, this trial is giving me eccentric headache, number 830, and storms out of the courtroom. And pick up Masters of True Crime, 17 true crime authors, all between the covers together. Edited by our friend R. Barry Flowers, and you'll find me in there, along with Catherine Ramsland and oh, a bunch of other true crime hotties. <laughs> so, buy all my books, and of course, when it finally eventually comes out, uh, pick up uh, uh, Jack Alias, Vincent, Vincent Alias, Jack, or whoever the hell he is, and we'll get back to that interview in just a moment on True Crime Uncensored. Back to True Crime Uncensored. Yeah. You got more? With Burl Bear <laughs> and Howard Lapidus. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's good to be here. And don't forget Mark. Can't forget me. I would. Okay, and we forgot Mark. Yeah, Featuring <laughs> Mark C.G. Boyer. Oh, there I am. And sometimes Marie Mackey, Esquire. Hasn't, hasn't done the show in six minutes. Produced by Magic Matthew Allen. Who in turn is produced by... The Who in turn is yeah, produced by... Lori Downey Jr. Who wouldn't want to be produced by Lori. Okay, now I'm looking at this picture done by Vincent Van Gogh. Uh, the one that's called uh, Iris Myris in a Vase and Against the Wall. <laughs> and uh, big as you're an artist, you know how to look deeply into these uh, photos, Dale. I mean, into these paintings. And when I'm really impressed with the one where you can clearly see, and people can look at this on your website, the hand and the knife and the uh, English Bobby with his helmet on. Uh, where did you find that one? That must have blown your socks off. Well, I mean, it, it took months and months of, you know, analyzing that painting to uncover these different images. You know, cause, I mean, you're talking about a master magician who has hidden these images in a, in a beautiful painting, which is totally deceptive. You know, using line, color, and tone, you can fool the eye. That's the whole idea of an artist. But yeah, it, it, it took a while to find it. Yeah, yeah that's pretty amazing stuff. Uh, I mean, it reminds me of back in the 60s when we drop acid and look at uh, the album covers. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure that does, bro. Hey, so Dale, so uh, so Vincent Van Gogh was Jack the Ripper, and? 
And what? Yeah, that's my <laughs> point. <laughs> and, and then what? Then what do we do about it? It's kind of late to arrest him. That's not good enough for you? That this is going to go Jack the Ripper? Well, I'm going to sleep. He's also I'm, the torso I'm going to sleep tonight knowing he's not coming over. <laughs> what's, the, uh, what's the correlation between the last uh, official murder and Van Gogh stopping? What? Dead. Ah. The correlation is, number one, he killed for his mother's birthday on the first murder while he was living in London. Her birthday was on September the 10th. That victim was uh, September the 5th. And then he did it again during the Jack the Ripper murders. He, uh, Annie Chapman, he killed on the 8th. And I believe that same night he killed another torso victim. So, so are you going to tie him to 9-11 also? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is serious business, man. Um, no, and, and her birth, that was on September the 8th. Stewie killed that night also for his And then the last murder, that's why I bring it up, was 1889. It was a torso kill. It's called the Pinson Street Torso. Mm. That, it's meant to be a torso kill. I believe he's both torso killer and Jack the Ripper. And he combined the two in this. He did a torso kill, but he deposited the body in the Whitechapel district to show and also cut her stomach cut off her legs or head to be a torso kill, but deposit there on the date of her mother's, his mother's 70th birthday, September 10th. To end, that was to end the murder. That's kind of reminds me of Norman Bates. <laughs> yeah, he planned it. But, but the reason... Yeah. Yeah, the mother's always important in these psychopaths, yes. But he, he, the reason he ended the murders related to just flat-out fear, for one thing. It was other issues going on with him in, in his life, but it was fear of the the police uh, a guy named dr phillips started changing the way they did business as far as the police and and it's what we do today we, we withhold information before before he got in there and he had a tough time with all the other coroners at each of the inquests where they he would say i think we need to withhold this i don't want to give all the details of the autopsy and they would force him to tell but finally he, somebody listened to him and and he got his way and with the mary kelly murder and, and onward forward forward they uh they stopped giving out all that information i, I think you put the fear of god in vincent they he, they took back the control he had complete control with the ripper letters he's controlling the police the newspapers the, the people of london and europe and here you go he got he you know it's fear flat out fear he's going to be caught so you you think he committed murder other murders than the ones attributed to jack yeah so the two murders while he lived in london they're, they're known as the torso murders the ripperologists know this area also, at least they know most of them. Uh, the two murders he committed while he was living in London, 1873-74. The, the second one was, to, to get to more of the motive, was during the time that he was rejected by his landlord, uh, landlady's daughter, 19-year-old daughter. And, and it was the same time period, another woman's body shows up in the Thames. And, uh, but but it, it, there was a big gap there. He decided to give up art gallery stuff and, and become a preacher, of all things, like his father. And, uh, and then he gave that up years later and became an artist. But I believe he also murdered his father. He was living under his house when this occurred. I believe he also then, when he moved to live with uh, his brother Theo in Paris, that he also murdered while he was there. There's another woman. Yeah, I was going to mention this. Uh, psychopaths and killers usually can't resist doing it. They can only go so long without. And if he's in Paris, uh, chances and if he was doing this, chances are he's bumping off people there as well. Well, couldn't he have used the patch? <laughs> hey, hey Dale, let me ask you something. Does if this information becomes widely acceptable, if your theory takes on, catches, and people go, you know what, all the math works. What yeah. happens? What happens to the value of the Van Gogh collection? Oh, I think they increase. They increase greatly. 
You would think the other way, but uh, no, I think they increased greatly the interest of, oh my gosh, this guy was Jack the Ripper. Well, I mean, you know, the Iris thing. I mean, uh, the Starry Star Night went for, what, $54 million? <laughs> and, he, and he didn't get a cent of it. <laughs> um, did his art generate any income for him while he was alive? Uh, no, that's the, the important thing to know. He was a nobody during his life, and it, he, he sent all of his artwork to his brother Theo to sell, but he wouldn't let him sell it because Theo had to sell it through Drupal's, and he had problem, you know, animosity towards Drupal's because they fired him. He wouldn't let him sell them for one thing, but nobody wanted to buy him anyway. And but but no, he was a nobody. That's important for the. A lot of people think this famous guy walking around. Somebody's gonna know. No, he What's, was walking around. Give me the chain from from the time he died. Uh, um, kind of lay out what happened to his collection and how it increased in value. Well, you had uh, uh, Theo had kept all of his letters that he was sending, and, they, and quite a bit. He had eight hundred letters. About six hundred of them were to Theo. Theo died six months after Van Gogh died. Vincent died, I believe, related to the, the connection, the manipulation, the sympathy he had had on him so long. It just flat-out grief and anger, and I covered all that in the book. But, but it was his wife, Johanna, Theo's wife, that picked up and took those letters and then had them translated and, and moved. And the artwork, uh, Bernard and Gauguin, these other artists, they, they, they put it out there. Got it. it took years. But I'm, trying to follow, got I'm, I'm trying to follow the money. Yeah. I'm trying to follow the money. Yeah, so it went from Van Gogh, who got nothing, to his brother, who died six six months later? Or did Van Gogh yeah. die? Who, which one died first? Vincent. Van Gogh shot himself in the stomach, and right. six months later, from grief, I believe, and anger, at, at, he had turned his back on Vincent finally after all this time. He had, he had listened to his wife. He had a new baby. He, he was telling Van Gogh, Vincent, get out there and get a job. And uh, this, this helped lead him to what he had been talking about, threatening all along, the suicide. Okay, and, so uh, so he kills himself, and then Theo is dead. Now the now the collection rests with Theo's widow. Yes. Okay. He had the majority of. Yeah. Okay. Then what happened to it? Well, then she sold some of them off, but but they were going out and promoting them. Like I said, uh, Bernard Emil Bernard was one of them. The, the other artists that he knew that really pushed his artwork, but it's you know his paintings are, are spread out all over the world in museums, but you have the main museum. The Van Gogh Museum, of course, and that's where the Iris's painting is at today. And you know, they started their their own organization to to keep and try to collect back, bring all those paintings back to the Van Gogh, you know, museum. I'm still trying to follow the money. Yeah, who who wound up making money off of Van Gogh's yeah. art? Well, the Van Gogh family made money, but anybody who happened to own his artwork, as as time went on, and they sell sold the art. I mean, like I said, they're all over the place. Not just because people bought them over time. I mean, they spread out. From the beginning. Yeah, but it's not like, not like there were royalties, you know. I mean, it's not like you know, every time the painting sells, uh, the Van Gogh family gets a cut of the take. Uh, today, well, let's, not anymore. Let's say today I, I want to buy a Van Gogh. What would I do? Well, you're going to go to auction if it's available for sale. And if it comes up for bid, you got $54 million, you might get one, Howard. Maybe yeah, I do. I didn't, I didn't well, know you were that well. Yeah. He could be. Hey, he spent 89 days with Paul Abdul. He can do anything. <laughs> You want to excruciate it. <laughs> Shot myself in the foot and stomach. <laughs> so, uh, Just an aside, Dale. Sorry. What was uh, Van Gogh's uh, pathology for the eviscerations? The collecting of the body parts. Uh, well, I think it's uh, control, power, humiliation, taking them, taking the, the trophies, you know, the typical psychopath thing. But its main thing is for escalation. He wants... 
Well, I mean, what what do you do with a uterus once you've got it? <laughs> well, in some of the letters, he talks about feeding an ear to to a dog, and you know, he, he could do anything he wants. You know, whatever he finds that's going to be thrilling that he needs to do to have an enjoyable enjoyable experience. Yeah, because you know, it's it, it's kind of difficult even in that time frame to be wandering around a city or even from your premise, riding a train for a day uh, with, uh, you know, a bag full of internal human parts without Oh, cooling. well, he's not, he's not taking them with him. He's dumping them. I mean, he's not going to hang on to those. Well, see, one of, the, one of the problematic things that we have with the theory is that, according to some of the other research, there has never been a case of uterus theft conducted by a man before. They're usually when a woman's uterus is ripped out is by another woman. Well, Van Gogh did a lot of things first, you know? <laughs> He was a, a psychopath who wanted. He, he, who is who in history has escalated like that? Gotten the public eye on on that and created the persona, sent the letters, the control, the complete domination, and to get it out there. And you can see with each of the murders, the escalation. He goes from, you know, removing parts, and then he goes to facial cuts, and then he then he goes to the incredible humili- humiliation and torture of, of, of Mary Kelly. Well, well, it, think, it does. Oh, excuse me. It does fit with the pattern of psychopaths. Yes, Mark. I think one of the things that uh, I'm having trouble with, maybe some of the listeners are, is they have to separate the famous image that we have of this individual from yeah. the historical time frame where he was just another person, just another nutcase. No one, no one really knew. Oh my God, that's the artist Van Gogh. He was just another nut job wandering around, mumbling to himself. Yeah. So you have to separate the famous aspect from it and put That's yourself right. in the position of just being another Joe or, in that case, an, an, you know, another, another Harold wandering <laughs> the streets in London. Yes, definitely. I mean, that's that's been a hurdle to get. You hear the name Vincent Van Gogh was Jack the Ripper immediately. Oh, that's some kind of Internet crud, you know, just dog skateboarding or something like. yeah well where to talk skateboarding i like that, I like that one <laughs> yeah i like hey, that one. hey dale dale how did he uh, become such an expert with uh with Good the scalpel question. with what i'm sorry the scalpel how do you what, know what? how do you know how to cut like a doctor there's there's no skill in cutting somebody's arms and legs off or as far as the torso murders or the head or or opening up somebody's belly but but look this man knows anatomy he studied anatomy with his artwork. So, I mean, he knows the inside and outside of of uh, those victims. Especially the insides. This is, this is part of the problem. You say, you know, about people, the image of him today being famous. Part of the problem back then and today is all those red herrings. Where you get kind of sidetracked with, hey, was he a medical man? Was he this? Or he, he had dark hair and dark mustache and dark hair, sinister look, all that. Who, no, he, who, 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 who have you convinced of this theory? Who? Well, my agent, thankfully. <laughs> well, that's the, look, an agent is an agent is an agent. I love agents. They were some of my best friends, but they can only sell uh, to someone that buys. And, yeah. And so the only person so far is, that's joined you up on the mountaintop is your agent. Hey, look, this is how history works. That's how many right. times in history have you seen this kind of thing where the, the standard is this, you know, flat earth kind of thing, hey? Uh, other medical discoveries. No, look, and, it's, and other... it's it's what I do for a living. In all seriousness, <laughs> uh, so yep. so right. no, I understand. I understand how that works. I understand how things like that can work, uh, and that's why my question lives: is is who else? Because 
uh, you know, I've done that with people, but I, you know, convince one person, and then I've got to convince ten, and then the ten have to convince a hundred. Well, it's an interesting theory, no matter how you slice it, no pun intended. And the guy has certainly done his artwork investigation. Well, there's no question about that part, but I'm just wondering, you know, who's who's buying it? Well, they can't buy it yet. Because the book's not out yet. No, but he's... No, 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 no. I mean, who's buying the theory? We don't know who's buying the theory because in order to buy the entire theory, you have to have all the information, all the artwork, the comparison of the handwriting analysis. You have to buy the book is what you have to do. And the name of the book is... It doesn't exist yet. Right, but the name of the book is... Vincent, Vincent Alias Jack. Right, so, so people that want the book should, should, should request the book. That's the kind of noise that gets to a publisher. Right. So that's all there I'm trying. I'm just trying to help somehow. Because uh, I think it's a fun ride, quite frankly. So you found you found um, um, potential potential correlations between this particular picture painting and the sixth victim. Uh, did yeah. he encode any other uh, information and other of others of his art? Did he have yeah. other victims in his art? Not other victims, but, uh, yeah, I found other... I, I cover a few others that are not as significant of the, as the Iris painting, but then there's others I, I have found, but, I, you know, I can't fit all that in the book. Are there any Ninas in, in these paintings? Any what? <laughs> it's a Hirschfeld joke. Oh. Very, never mind. Never mind. If you have to explain it, we don't want to know about oh, it. Oh, you don't want to know. No, we don't want to know. Well, here, here's another important fact about it. You had the false image of, of Jack the Ripper out there in the papers and such, with, with false uh, witnesses and such saying, I saw a man with a dark hair, a black mustache. And it just, they just end up repeating this after each murder with some kind of witness wanting to get themselves out there. But the one that stands out is on the night of Mary Kelly's murder, a, another prostitute walking behind Mary Kelly and the, a man followed her right behind her as Mary Kelly walked into her room with that man. She saw that man who then turned around. There's a, a street light right there, a lamp. And she described that man as having a carroty mustache and pockmarked face and described, you know, this isn't a, a black-haired guy with a black mustache. No, a carroty mustache. And this is the night of a murder. She just Tur- murdered a few hours later. Turns out it was uh, Harvey Levin's great-grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> Next will be Harvey Levin. Was no. Jack- <laughs> mm. Wasn't uh, Freddie Mercury's grandfather? No, no. Freddie Mercury was Zoroastrian. <laughs> he was. Well, I'm, I'm sitting here uh, looking at the George, photographs of the... Actually, mu- you're standing. I'm standing yeah. looking at the pictures of the pure, poor mutilated person who also had a big chunk of their leg lobbed off. And in the yeah. painting, you can see the uh, the leg with the bone and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, like I said, that was good psychedelics. You know? <laughs> Burl, Burl. It's a bigger... Well, this is, yeah. this is the point of those images. It's not just that, hey, I see this kind of thing. It's backed up by the information and the facts. And one of those... The interesting part of what you're bringing up is uh, Jack the Ripper, you know, removed the flesh of that right thigh and also then broke that bone. And you can see it in the in the picture. It's hard to look at, but still. But in the painting, the same thing. He represents that with a yellow background and then shows a break. And the, the tie-in here is that Vincent Van Gogh's mother fell off a train getting off and broke her right thigh bone up close to, the, to her hip bone, hip joint. And he helped nurse her back to health. He was there when the doctor set the bone. So a lot of this ties back into his whole thing with his mother. Mm. Definitely. 
Yeah. A little Oedipus complex going on here? Yeah, I think so. And then, plus, they open the motel. Any sign of Jody Arias in this thing? <laughs> no. <laughs> Just no, no, she's a pain in the ass. Uh, um, bump. Well, this is absolutely uh, amazing. Now, give me the website again. It's uh, vincentaliasjack.com. That's correct, yeah. And if you go there, which uh, which we have, and uh, in fact, we printed out all this stuff, which, of course, you can't see on the radio, uh, Dale has managed to give you close-up pictures of the Van Gogh drawings, highlighting the areas that show exactly what he sees. Some of the stuff I don't see as clearly as he does. Some of the stuff does leap right off the page at you, specifically the one with the knife, uh, the hand holding the, the knife and the uh, the bobby and all that stuff and the faces and the broken uh, bobby leg. Bobby was what they used to call the... Uh, London police. Yes, not the Barbies as in the Persian religious group. Yeah, right. Uh, so it's pretty amazing stuff, uh, and the only way to really research all of it, aside from looking at the material he has on his website, is when the book finally comes out, and then that's when we're going to have the steel cage match between <laughs> between you and the guy who wrote Hand of a Woman, which is another great book. Uh, which, whatever way it goes, the entire Jack the Ripper uh, story and the history has been one that's been fascinated people for years and years and years. How, been... how come? How come the fascination with Jack the Ripper? Seriously. That's a, Dale, what do you think? Well, I mean, number one, because he wasn't caught. Number two, because he had a name, and that name got out there and publicized. He got that dramatic kind of effect of not only in London, but all throughout Europe and around the world. And, and it continues today because of that mystery that surrounds it. Too bad he could have done licensing and merchandising. Yeah, I want to get the caps <laughs> and the chief. That's a ripper knife set. I bet you we could do so. I wonder who owns that. No one. It's public domain. Well, what if I was to go grab it? You could grab it. Okay. You could do it. But you'll get slapped. By whom? Oh, whoever the young lady. By Vincent Van Gogh. We'll come back from beyond the crypt. Hmm. <clears throat> So what's next on your agenda now that you've solved this one? <laughs> well, well, I want to believe this, and I'm still having trouble. Well, you know, it's uh, it's it's it's, it's a, definitely it's a, out there. Because oh, I like I like Dale. Go ahead, Matt, well, Magic Matt Allen. I would like again. to know why Howard has trouble with this theory as opposed to the other theories. What? So which theory do you believe? I, I don't. No, I, I'm at, don't interrupt me. I'm asking you which theory do you put your money on? I don't put my money on any of them. Then if you don't put your money on any theory, how can you have a, a problem with this theory? Because I have a problem with it. I have a problem I, with I'm, all of it. I'm theory. sorry. It's a non-answer, <laughs> non Your Honor. Yeah. See, now my, my money has previously been on the hand of a woman theory. Uh, I w- uh, read that book. Why and is I, Matt I, busting my ass today? Because it's fun. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just want to check. <laughs> and entertaining. Uh, yeah. Now, well, because, well, because someone has to be honest about this. When when you're busting his ass, you're saying you're having a tr- trouble with his theory. Yeah, I it am. It makes no sense if you have no comparison. It's not a matter of comparison. I mean, so, it's, 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 look, there yes, could be... Yes, it is a matter of comparison. There could be six so more. many years ago, they never six. caught the guy. And, and any of these theories are up for grabs. I got to tell you, this guy sounds pretty feasible and... One of the rare guys that doesn't sound like he's off his rocker. Oh, come on. You're, Dale, hang on a second. This is just for effect. He's off his rocker. Yeah. It's just for effect. And um, I suggest that you get back on your rocker and slow it down because it's making noise. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's squeaking a lot. Yeah. yeah. And Mark, when it comes so to the hard, comedy, hard leave that to like Matt. Hard. And it's hard to hey, you know, I gave it a shot. Shoot me. I Don't did. Shoot me. Okay, I now. thought you guys were going to have some more ear jokes to be honest. No, no, no. Oh, no, 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 no. no. 
Yeah, the, 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 no, we leave the ear jokes to our listeners. The, the ears, the, <laughs> but yeah, this has been an endearing story. That's the low-hanging fruit. You know, it really is the low-hanging ear. Now, what about murders in in uh, in France? Well, how many people do you think he bumped off over there? Uh, just uh, one while he was living with his brother in Paris. And then I believe he left there. That was in 86. I believe he left from there in 87 to travel to London to murder what is known as the Rainham victim, which is also in London. It's, again, a torso kill, the body parts found in the Thames. And then 88, of course, you've got the, the Jack the Ripper murders again. Well, you know, it's kind of, it'd be kind of time-consuming to completely separate a torso with a scalpel. So he... He must have had a larger implement. You think. How do you know all this? Because um, because I got tired after a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I had to abandon well, I my attempt. Thinking, I don't know why you're thinking scalpel. It's a knife. You, you've got a, Van Gogh actually carried a knife, a class knife, and that, that's part of the importance of it. How, how did he make it through security at the train? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, TSA was there. <laughs> right. You're doing a full body search. I'm sorry, sir. You can't have that knife up your toes. <laughs> Well, this is certainly going to be one for one for the books, and it should be a book, uh, because you certainly, uh, especially from the, uh, the art angle is what fascinates me, because as an, uh, as an artist, you know how artists use lines, direction, much like a director uses a, a stage or a film yeah. director manipulates the eye uh, in different levels of meaning and different levels of perception. And that's, I find that the most fascinating aspect of your research is uh, the things that you have found in the Paintings, but then again, someone can say, "Oh, that's like when you look at clouds and you see faces." You know, do you get yeah. that kind of uh, objection? I always see the the Mother Mary. By the way, you're not even Catholic in, in, in my cereal. Is yeah. she coming to me? Yeah. Well, there is with artwork as with other clouds in the sky and the coffee. There is there's happenstance will happen and images pop out. But but being an artist and, and looking at artwork and you. You understand the, the, how the artist is using. You break it down, his line and color and all that. You see that things are done intentionally, and you, and, and it, you gain an understanding of that. So that, that's where I'm coming from on that. It's just going to take a lot of people uh, a time, number one, to get over that it's Van Gogh doing this, but also to get, get, get past that, hey, this is real. Well, that's one point uh, I want to emphasize is that in all art, whether it is visual art or audio art or film or stages, everything is on purpose. If the person, and someone who has total control, such as a visual artist, a painter, where they have, of course, complete control of the imagery. And it's yeah. in, everything is intentional. Nothing is accidental. And uh, that's what I find so fascinating about this. That if you are correct... Then he has some good cutlery. Hmm. So, um, do you? Uh, is your opinion that um, he deliberately placed uh, the symbolic imagery into this particular of course. painting? What do you think? Well, it could have been subconscious. Do you think? No, 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 not a chance. If you're buying yeah, into this theory, this thing's uh, this thing's in the forefront of his mind. And this is part of that that psychopathic mind is he's enjoying reliving. He painted this. A year after the Ripper murders, and he's enjoying that and reliving it, and I believe... And bragging, and bragging, artistically bragging about what he's done. How old was Van Gogh, yeah. when, he, how old was Van Gogh when he died? Uh, he was uh, 37. Wow. But the, the important part of the age, though, is he was 35 during the Jack the Ripper murders, and one of the Jack the Ripper letters he wrote, I'm 35 and still alive. Hmm. Now, uh, There's a lot of those matches. It's on so and on. How old, was, how, old, how old was Jack the Ripper when he died? 
<laughs> we don't know. 37. We don't know for sure. Now it's uh, where was I going with this? The the thing of wanting to brag while not being caught is a real dilemma that faces all serial killers. Our friend Caitlin Rother, who's been on the show several times, and is a fabulous serial killer. No, she's not a serial killer, but she writes great <laughs> books. And in her book Body Parts, uh, this guy walks into the San Diego Police Department and says, "You guys are rather lame." I'm paraphrasing. I'm a serial killer, and you didn't even know there was one operating, and I am him, and I'm not getting enough publicity, and I need to stop, and they thought he was nuts until he pulled a few body parts out of his pocket and put them on the table. Which beats a well, full house, a, by the way. <laughs> to have a little more fun with that, Van Gogh, he, when he sent this painting to his brother, he wrote, I hope you see something in it. And he also wrote at that same time, you'll see on that, on that website of the hidden images, you'll see the you know, where he says, I should like to paint portraits which would appear after a century to people living then as apparitions. That's exactly what he did. He painted this apparition that 120 years later, it, it, it's seen now. If I really look at one of these the paintings, will I find the words, Ask Dale? <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. Yes. AskDale.com. <laughs> Dun, dun. You, you know, we know you have a good sense of humor. I actually um, think that you're onto something here. At least, uh, whether you're right or whether you're wrong, it's something to read. I think it's interesting. Yeah. I think it'll be fun. It is a fascinating theory, and you certainly have done uh, every every bit of. Now, you, people could either look at it that you started with a premise and worked your ass off to back it up, or uh, you you stumbled on this and put the pieces together. Either way, it's a, it's a uh, fascinating here, subject. Here comes Matt again. Yes, Matt. I, I may have missed this in the uh, the opening, but I, what does this guy do for a living? Who, Dale? Uh, I can't he hear didn't. him. Yeah, so oh. I, I'll go back to my booth and listen. But I, I'd like, yeah, no, no one has asked him. Or yeah, yeah, we have. He's an artist. He's an artist. He is an artist. Yeah, yes. good one. Damn good one. Yeah, but what does he do for a living? <laughs> nah. No, I, yeah, I worked in the IT world. I left my job to pursue this book. Yeah, ah. I spent my savings up. Now I left, you're I left my, my job in San Francisco. What's that? Oh, never mind. Never mind. Yeah. Um, okay. So what? Uh, what? What area of IT? It's uh, called I Series AS four hundred. Oh wow! Uh, we, so we all got that. I got that because uh, well, um, I am not an iSeries programmer, and I'm happy to say I'm not an iSeries developer. And uh, we don't know anything yeah. that you're talking about. It's a, this it's a guy's mid- real smart. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I had a feeling. It's a, it's a mid-sized IBM uh, to yeah. computer. We have, uh, we're just going to the VMAX at the Arc. That's great. The audience is really interested. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, if you look at the chips, you'll find a body. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Well, that's cool. So you were a, well, yeah, a co-barfer. Yeah, I wanted to add this one area. The Jack the Ripper letters are a big part of the book throughout the thing, the matches and timing and content. And he also did drawings on the Jack the Ripper letters and, of course, in his own letters. I mean, I, I got all those letters from the uh, National Archives in the U.K. and analyzed those. Have you had a handwriting problems. expert look, look at them in addition to you looking at them? <laughs> No, but as you can see from what I showed you, that the, what I focus on as far as handwriting, there are some very distinct characteristics. It, it's not even uh, necessary. Hopefully someday, you know, publishing, you get a handwriting expert. But hey, you, you go on a court, you, you're on the defense side, you get one that says this, you get a, hey, hey, one Dale, on the prosecutor side that says that. Right? Dale, Dale, how, yes. how, come, how come you've taken three years of your life to go up on the mountains and scream this theory? <laughs> Because I, I, I have, okay, but I have to tell you the truth. You're not going to make a zillion dollars. You probably won't make back the money you would have made in IT, unless you make a movie. So, so it's not, it, not even if you make a movie. So, if if what's your end game here? 
Well, my end game is all this started from the dream of being a writer and also a dream of being a painter. Okay. This came along the way of I was going to write fiction. That was my whole goal. I studied creative writing, the craft of writing, and I wrote this book in that kind of manner of creative writing. But I stumbled onto this discovery and had to write a nonfiction book, which I had not planned on ever doing. Okay. That's Watch out for L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah, 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 you know how to write fiction. No, 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 but I, I, he had to have a motiv- the motivation. Mm. I just was checking on the motivation. I think his motivation was he uh, he came across something that absolutely blew his mind and, and he pursued and it, it. it. But he wants to be a writer, which is great, and that, that's that's fine. There had to be a reason. I know. I, no, I understand that part. I mean, he may yeah. make money not on this, but he may make money on writing the great American novel, and it could happen. Yeah, there you go. Yep. I know, I get it. All right. That's fair. I know well, what it's I, like I to be a writer. I can point this out about, about the uh, Ripper letters, the, the the relationship to the Ripper letters and the and the ear, you know, cutting with Van Gogh. You had all these Ripper letters starting at the end of September and into October, November, and a huge amount of Ripper letters. Eighty-four of them received in October, uh, sixty-two in November, and then down to nine in December. The, the point is, though, they ended on December the twenty-third. That's the same day Vincent Van Gogh cut off his ear, and he was then admitted to the hospital and was not let out until January the 7th. Whoa, back up, back up, back up, back up. Go ahead. On the ear cutting bit, okay? He cuts off, what did he use to cut off his ear? Just a table, a kitchen knife? A Uh, a razor. A razor? Yeah, a razor. Okay. He, He came after Gogon first. Okay. So he cuts his ear off, and he's bleeding like a stuck pig, right? Yeah. They put him in the hospital. Yeah, he was discovered, or did he go to the hospital himself? Tell me, because I don't know anything about this. What? Yeah, they came and got him the next morning. How did they know to get him? Was he bleeding out? How did they well, find because him? Because he, he took his ear to a prostitute. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to give him something. Well, he won't work for free. Yeah, that hundred. This, little... this man is about to tell you something so important, <laughs> date wise, and now you're talking about what did he use to cut his ear? Well, there's a reason for that. I'm gonna get back to the <laughs> yeah, date. but we only have a second left. But it, right. I'm, this is so interesting that he's in the hospital and he's about to give you a date which is meaningful, and the yeah. date is. So he's got uh, he, December 23rd, he cuts off his ear. That's the last Ripper letter received. And then and another one is not received until January the 8th, the, the day after he gets out of the hospital. Well, that, they... gap of six, that gap of 16 days was the longest in that whole period of time, only five-day gap before that. Why did they, they keep him in so long? Because the insurance companies didn't boot him out in those days. Well, because they thought he was crazy, and they put him back in again. Uh, the townspeople actually signed a petition. To say he was mad, he was touching women and picking them up, and nothing nothing that a sexual serial killer would do, right? Psychopath, but that was Van Gogh. They put him back, the police put him back in the hospital, and the date matched so well to that when he has the ability to send Jack the Ripper letters, and then when he can't and he's in the hospital or being held against his will, no Ripper letters. And the pattern continues like that throughout uh, all the time that he still has the ability to write the Ripper letters from the south of France. Hmm. Fascinating, Captain. Amazing. I must say, and then I'll, I'll back away, uh, you, you brought me a lot closer than I was in the beginning. All right. Well done, good. sir. I didn't say I'm there yet, but you brought me a lot closer. Okay, to the book. VincentAliasJack.com. That's VincentAliasJack.com. You can look at much of the evidence yourself, and uh, I'm eager for the book to come out and see the whole thing. And I want to thank you for coming on the air and putting up with us. Uh, you defend your, your case very, very well, Dale. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, my pleasure. A lot of fun. We'll, have, we'll, we'll have you back. Yeah, when the book comes out, we'll have you back. Excellent. Okay. Look forward to it. Thanks a lot.
Now that's an interesting theory. It, it is. And it turns out he's a nice, very nice guy. Yeah, yeah. smart too. Yeah. Oh gosh, yes. Yeah, yeah. smart fellow. But I, I would like to have a steel cage match between him and the uh, well, guy who had a Let's do Wolf. that. By the way, that that's a. I fun think it'll show. be fun to do yeah, to get the. It. We've had three guys on with three different Jack the Ripper theories. Let's do that. I want to get them all on yeah, at the same time. Show. Let's do it. Let's and do it. have them fight it out. Use a steel chair and an illegal object. <laughs> Magic Matt Allen, the Demons of Decadence, including Ralph Odierna, Johnny Cosmo. Lapidus, legendary Pearl Bear, Mark C.G. Boyer, and the big-breasted Marie McKay, right here on Outlaw Radio, standard of a beleaguered and tempest-tossed broadcast industry. Uncensored co-hosts uh, Mark C.G. Boy, yeah. our fact checker, Howard Lapidus, manager to the star. Hello. Take an art class. <clears throat> yeah, I never went. Dale. Yes, I'm here. How I, I was talking uh, the other day that I think I'm going to have a steel cage match of everybody who's written a book about Jack the Ripper. We got the guy who says it was his great grandfather. We got the guy who says it was uh, the doctor's wife. And now we have you who says, of all people in the universe, that Jack the Ripper was Vincent Van Gogh. With blood. <laughs> I want to get down to the real nitty gritty here. All right. Okay, now tell me, you were minding your own business, <laughs> right? Yeah. Or somebody else's is the case. Maybe. Yeah, maybe standing in a dive bar or sitting at home when yeah. su- suddenly out of the clear blue of the western sky, you were reading Vincent Van Gogh's uh, emails or letters or whatever it was, and you decided, <laughs> yeah. you decided the guy was an ass, right? 
Uh, well, no, I had uh, read a book of his uh, selected letters. It's called Dear Theo to his brother. Yeah. And, I, and I, I became disenchanted with my, you know, my Vincent Van Gogh, my painter hero. I'm a painter, and he's the guy I wanted to emulate the most. Yeah, so you go out and get yourself a razor? <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was just within two weeks of finishing that book, I read my first Jack the Ripper book, Trisha Cornwell's book, Jack yeah. the Ripper. And, uh... And that uh, the whole time I was reading that, I was uh, basically saying, "Hey, this sounds like Vincent Van Gogh." And her her book is about her her suspect is Walter Walter Sickert, who happens to be an English art painter, you know. Uh-huh. And, uh, and she really didn't have the evidence to piece it together, but it's a good read. She's she's a very good writer, of course. And I, I like to say that uh, you know she spent six million dollars to to get the wrong man. It only took me six thousand to get it right. No, 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 Dale, 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 Dale. That's, that's, <laughs> how, that's Howard coming in. Oh, Dale. Wait, hey, you're missing one more Dale. Dale. <laughs> Dale, please. Why is good enough? Okay. Now, what you're saying, just so we have this straight, yeah. is you're going to present today on this show yeah. some sort of a storyline that will lead us to believe that Vincent Van Gogh was Jack the Ripper. Uh, uh, correct? Not only lead you to believe that, but it's the facts, the evidence stated, it's facts, it's who he was. Okay. All right, All right, I'm from the, I think you've lost your mind camp. So, so I, but, I know, I understand. Okay. So, and, and I know I'm not alone, and I know I'm not the captain of the club, but, but I'm extremely fascinated by the premise, and I will try to do my best to keep my mouth shut and let you prove your case. But, oh, well, but I had you. to, I but I had to say that you know when I first heard that you were coming on the show, uh, yeah. I said to myself, "This guy is a whack ball." <laughs> I thought maybe you were the Alex Jones of true crime. That too. <laughs> oh, there's that. Hey, That's a whole other story. I, I understand that completely. Okay, so and I say that up front because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna disguise my feelings or my thoughts or, or you know. Yeah, okay, we got that I'm now. Right. How is it that you happen to make this connection? Well, it was after reading that first Jack the Ripper book and thinking, hey, this sounds like Van Gogh, just kind of in a playful way. Once I finished that book, I grabbed my Van Gogh paintings and thought, hey, there ought to be some kind of indication in there that Van Gogh was Jack the Ripper in his paintings. I went through the whole painting list that I had there, and I didn't see anything at all. I mean, he's got beautiful, colorful paintings, you know? But there was this one painting, I, and, I, and I, it's the Irises painting, beautiful yellow background, and I thought, maybe I'd like to paint that as a sample. And I came back that to the next the next night just to take a look at that and bam this face pops out it's the same face as mary kelly which is the sixth jack the ripper victim who was you know you know that but yeah. she was had her photo taken in the at the crime scene in her room and her, on her bed, deathbed right. and, got, got it right i'm holding the picture up to the microphone as we speak okay yeah <laughs> everybody's well, lost their mind today those who want to follow along with this they can go to vincentaliasjack.com and they can see that photo alongside the irish painting and you can see the face that I saw. And that's uh, after reading that Ripper book, staring at that face of Mary Kelly, trying to see in that some kind of identity and just totally mutilated, old body mutilated. And because I'd stared at it so much, you know, you look at that painting and it popped out and there was her face. And then further study over the years of just analyzing that, that painting and finding many other hidden images. In fact, her whole body's hidden in there amongst these irises in a vase on a table. And, uh, yeah, it just went on from there. You know, I, I took it off and, and had to do the due diligence of the research, which took three years and then two and a half years to write the book, and this is for real. Has your research been verified or uh, vilified? I, I'm a nobody. So, 
you know, it'll be verified once I get a publisher out there. Okay, now. So, so you've got to get a publisher to believe your story. Well, I didn't have to believe the story. Just believe people will buy well, the people book. People will buy the story and be interested <laughs> in the story. Yeah, no, I understand. By the way, parenthetically, you're a, a terrific painter, and people can go to the website and see your stuff. I, I was really impressed with it. Hey, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah that's part of, part of the reason that, that this discovery has been made. It required both me being a painter and a writer, and those two combinations of the curiosity of things and uh, had led to that. And it's, you know, wanting to be more productive as a painter is what led me to read more about Van Gogh and find out, hey, he's not the same guy I thought he was. Now, what was he like? What did you glean from his letters? Well, I mean, everybody's got the image of him, the sympathetic kind of image. He cut off his ear and, that, you know, he, he went crazy for his work. You know, he was such a mad genius and all this, and they're sympathetic. You just played sorry, sorry, nice. Highly sympathetic towards who he is. That's a, a false image of who Van Gogh was. What's he, the real image? The real image is he was an alcoholic. He visited prostitutes regularly. Yeah, don't blame what, what makes that a bad guy? No, I know. <laughs> no, 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 well, no, no I'm not kidding. I'm not that I'm an alcoholic okay. or visit well, prostitutes. But, well, one of those two. But why pass judgment? No, I'm, I'm not. Okay. I'm just pointing out here he, he was a little different than I had perceived him to be. Okay, that's it, fair enough. It broke down that initial image of him. And it's really, see, the main thing that stood out just the first time I read his letters was, this guy is a spoiled brat. He, is, he has a sense of entitlement that is just enormous. He, he thinks everybody owes him money. He must have been a liberal. <laughs> yeah, he would have fit in good today with the generation. But, Guess who? Yeah. yeah. Um, our producer, Matt Allen, has a question for you here. All right. Dale. You, you know that uh, I appreciate Howard Lapidus, Entertainment Manager of the Star, but... Yeah. Past judgment. You sometimes you make the most ridiculously inane statements of anyone that I've ever heard on or off the radio, Howard. Even more than Burl. He is not passing judgment when someone talks about a, a man's image as opposed to who he really is. If he is an alcoholic, visits prostitutes. Yeah, that's sort of a. Ugly um, underbelly of you have a pristine uh, image of him. Yeah, of course. That's 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 not passing judgment, but you coming from an extremely left <laughs> standpoint, Howard. You notice I'm not a burl on this, but from an extremely left standpoint, anything is fine. You know, it's like there are no rules. Well, so, right. so, but, only, except the rule that there's no rules. Yeah, and and so you're you're wrong. He's not passing judgment. No. And by the way, who know? You know, you start off. Howard starts off by by slapping this guy around, which I don't blame you for doing, and saying, "Well, you know, I'm not the president of the club, but I uh, I think that maybe you're nuts." What makes this guy more nuts than anyone else with this premise about a, a nutty guy in Vincent Van Gogh you who cut off his friggin' you, you ear? You I'm thrilled that you you took the time to come in here from from the producer's booth and 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 well, but the past because judgment. well hang on a second my job judge. my job is just to is to strike an emotion Every, I did yes. and I'm happy Do, whether I you're whether happy you not, come off like an idiot I'm not okay. I don't care I don't care as long as people are listening I don't care you know but the the, the point and oh is, by the way but by by I the way believe that you believe that that much of what comes out of your mouth you believe Howard Lapidus oh I I, don't, I, I believe very little of what Matt. comes out of my mouth. Okay, Matt. meanwhile, well, let's find out if uh, Dale, uh, yes. Is uh, it okay? I'm digging this guy. Matt, <laughs> is it okay to visit drunk prostitutes? Just check. <laughs> if she's an alcoholic. Yeah. Although she could just be a heavy drinker. Yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway, getting back to this, you discovered that you had a pristine image of Vincent Van Gogh, and the more you uh, read about him, the more you read his letters, you discovered the guy was kind of uh, a, a spoiled brat, kind of an ass, great sense of entitlement, thought he was maybe better than everybody else. And what else? Well, but that's well, someone could be like that and don't want to slice people up and take their uterus home in a bag. But hang on a second. <laughs> Matt, come back in here for a second. Wait, 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 wait come on. I want to get my guest to have airtime here. Yeah. Oh, your guest is out of his mind. Matt, come here for a second. <laughs> no, my guest is not out of his I'm mind. I'm teasing Dale. Dale's got a sense of humor, and he's going with this. Yeah. And he's a terrific artist. He, well, that, that, I'm, I'm going to check this out. This is interesting stuff. It is. Yeah. We're doing our job, Matt. <laughs> but what's the well, website that, that again? Just, that was just the initial image that led me to that sort of sense of disenchantment with my hero. That wasn't the... Hey, he is Jack the Ripper. It was then the discovery of that face, and I actually discovered it in uh, 2004, and then and then set it aside. I'm like you. I thought it was crazy. This is nuts. And this can't be real. I looked. The first thing I looked up was, hey, he lived all the way down in the south of France. These are murders are occurring in London. There's no way. 1888. How's he going to travel up? Numerous times, you know, throughout. Yeah, the fall. that was my question. Where was Vincent when these people were being sliced and diced? Yeah, he was living in the south of France in Arles, 1888. He moved there in February from Paris down to Arles. And and uh, the interesting part of that is that same week there was an attempted murder in London and another one in March, and I believe he, he, he was warming up, you might say. But, yeah, it was the, uh, the image, seeing that hidden image kicked it off and uh, the research, but it was two years later after I discovered that that I came back to it and said, I need to look a little deeper instead of, just looking at one thing and saying it's impossible, it's too far away. And the research dispelled all that. All the doors were opening that I thought would be slammed shut. I mean, he was my hero. So yeah, what, 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 uh, how did he wind up in England? I mean, did he, he would have had to have been there in order to do it, you think? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he traveled there. That's how he did. And his brother, Theo, younger brother, supported him financially completely for the last 10 years of his life. And the... And he generally, in his letters, is thanking Theo for, you know, the money he spent. And it shows that he had the money, which, which only cost about 100 francs uh, a full, you know, round trip. And so he could afford it, number one. Number two, you've got one of my greatest finds ever is a, uh, called Bradshaw's Railway Guide, Continental Railway Guide. It's, it's from March 1888. It's got all the train schedules throughout Europe. You know, those in England want to go travel, they would take this, this book and follow along throughout Europe. Yeah. And it's great. It gives, it gives all the train schedules and the steamer schedules. And, and what it basically shows is Van Gogh could be, you know, get, leave from Arles and be in London within 24 hours. So he's really got a total turnaround time of about three days. <laughs> well, what did, uh, what did his brother do, by the way? His brother worked at the art gallery called Goopels, which Vincent had worked at before also. And uh, this was part of the envy that part of his motive relates to envy. With his brother Theo, who continued on that path where he failed in it and went different ways. Well, now so we had, come up with three things when it comes to murder. You need motive, means, and opportunity. opportunity. Right. What are the motive, means, and opportunity for Vincent Van Gogh taking a 24-hour trip to leave town, go to another town, uh, kill some people, rip out their innards, and then go home? Because I believe his first murder was when he lived in London. A lot of people don't know that Van Gogh lived in London. While he was working for Goofle's Art Gallery, he was transferred from Holland to London in 1873 as a 20-year-old man, lot, had a lot of ambition, and he gets there, and they put him in a warehouse. There's no gallery there. He's been working in a gallery for four years. Now they basically demote him, and he's, he's getting despondent, depressed, 
and you've got within a, a few months of arriving there, there's this, uh, the, the body parts of a female start showing up in the River Thames. But that, you didn't answer Burl's question. Okay. The motive? Uh, yeah. The motive is uh, his family. Everything relates back to his family. They, he felt that they interfered in his life, and part of that is that transfer to London. And it appears there was some trouble back in London, and I think it relates to uh, getting a prostitute pregnant. And he, and he speaks of this later when he's referring back to it. I think they got him out of the way and sent him over to London to say, hey, get away from this pregnant woman. But it's that. It's his family interfering in his life. He's a psychopath. He believes everything's everybody else's fault. He blames them for everything. All of his troubles that he caused, everybody was everybody else's everybody, fault. Well, that's common yeah, but, with psychopaths. Yeah, but hang on a second. I mean, I, yeah. I act that way. I'm not, I'm not killing people. <laughs> I mean, well, so what, 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 what takes, what, what's the motive to kill, to actually the element, kill? The other element is, uh, well, revenge. It's revenge and it's envy, hatred for it's, uh, women. It's uh, hatred, revenge towards his family. But it's also the added element that pushes him over the top is Theo. Theo started working at Duples at, at 15 years old. Vincent started at 16. He's the eldest. He's, he's supposed to be this replacement of the, the head of the family. He's called Uncle Sint. And here, here he is working. Now he's stuck in a warehouse, and they've started Theo working at Duples in Brussels, Belgium. Hey, Dale, sibling yep. jealousy goes up and down the street, but that I'm still waiting for the motive for murder. Well, well, what moves it from being normal sibling rivalry yeah. or family squabbles uh, to, yeah, ripping out, to ripping out innards and, 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 and mutilating bodies to yeah. the extent they're unrecognizable? He is highly ambitious. He, he is, he's got that... The sense of entitlement, he's got that grandiosity attitude, he, he buys himself a top out in London, he walks around, he thinks he's a big shot. No, you haven't crossed, and, uh, show me where he crosses the line, please. Where does he cross he, the line to murder? He and, crosses the line because that, he's, he feels he's being destroyed, he's being taken, Theo is replacing him. Everything that he it, it, does ma- it does make sense when you look at other psychopaths and what they do. They build up a certain amount of tension and resentment, and they release it by they tried it, they tried it, they liked it, they did it again. So, in terms of if he, if he was a psychopath, murdering to relieve tension is not unusual. And, you know, it doesn't have to be highly personalized in that matter. I'm not quite so sure yeah. I buy it. It seems a lot of circumstantial stuff. But uh, you've done a lot of work on this, years of research. Yes, three years of research, intense research, full-time going at it, and, and then, you know, the writing's important, too, so that two and a half years to, to do it right and get it all right. I mean, being very thorough. Now, what about, what about the, now, I, from what I understand, the letters supposedly from Jack the Ripper were actually written by a guy who worked for, what, the, the Times of London. Now, you have uh, him writing these letters, am I correct? I think somebody said it was from the Star. It's the the Star, yeah. But yes, uh, that's that's the going uh, theory is that they either either the murderer wrote none of the Jack the Ripper letters or maybe just a few. I mean, there's and, one one thing. I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but the one thing yes. about that is that Jack the Ripper didn't put himself out there as the brand Jack the Ripper. The brand was created by the media. And, and I disagree. Oh, you so 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 Jack the Ripper came up with the brand and said, "I'm Jack the Ripper, and that's <laughs> that's my brand yes. for murder." Okay. Vincent Van Gogh was very creative, and I'm by gonna... the time by the time he got to his Jack the Ripper murders, it had been 15 years after his first murder. He was a mature serial killer. He created a persona and named it Jack the Ripper. He wrote the Jack the Ripper letters. 
Now, this was this was uh, this is what I was going to ask. Is I have seen comparisons of Vincent Van Gogh's handwriting and the handwriting in the letters from Jack the Ripper, and I'm not a handwriting expert, as we all know. However, as a layman, I say they look remarkably similar. It is stunningly similar. That that's stunningly, yes, that they I, do. I put out there. It's the breakdown of actual individual characters, and you can see that it's a style that Van Gogh used very rarely in his letters to kind of put a gap between all of the, the stem and the turn of the, you know, the A kind of thing. And here it is in a Jack the Ripper letter, and, and side by side you can see this exact exact same thing. Yeah. Which which you year? Which, which, which year did he cut off right or left? His left ear. Okay, so why didn't he cut off the left ear of all of his uh, people if he's such a great branding expert? <laughs> they would have given him away. He, he did. Oh, he well, did? He did cut off the ears of victims, yes. In the first, what is known as the Dear Boss Ripper letter, he threatened to cut off the, the ears of his next victim, and then uh, three days later, he did that. He, the double event, tried in Eddowes, he cut off Eddowes' ear, just ran a spice through it. He also cut off Mary Kelly's ears, and that was in November. And then he got to December 23rd is when he cut off his Cut off his, he chose his ear. There are other reasons why he cut his ear, but he chose his ear to cut because he was Jack the Ripper and he'd already cut ears and it relates. You know, after he cut his ear off, he gave it to a prostitute just to add to the, you know, that's what's going on. He's got the connection. He's going, hey, here's my ear. I've cut off some of your people's ear. Here's mine. What was the one thing that you found happened that, that, took, uh, that took Van Gogh from your hero to a zero? <laughs> hero to a zero. <laughs> Well, finding out he was a serial killer probably bummed him out. Well, let's ask Dale. Well, I mean, it was it was the progression of it. It was that first initial thing to just have, I was just playing, just having fun with the idea because of what uh, Patricia Cornwell was presenting. I was like, no, that's not really matching right, but, but that sounds like Van Gogh. And I kept, all through the book, I was doing that. So the first part of it was just play, just goofing around and, and then looking and spotting that image and then having to deal with what in the world is that. Yeah, and it just moved from that of trying. I, the first few months of deciding to write the book was about, I've got to believe this is real. I want to be convinced myself. Well, I'll tell you, when I saw the very clear image of a hand and a knife in that painting, I started to take a whole new look at what your theory was. Because well, that, Vincent that, alias Jack.com. You can take a look at those right now. Okay, we're going to take a 60-second break to sharpen our cutlery. We'll be right back on True Crime Uncensored. Starry, starry night. Paint your palette blue and gray. Look out on a summer's day. With eyes that know the darkness in my soul. Hey, Johnny Cosmo here. Loyal Demon at Outlaw Radio author of Gone with the Wind and the Player's Guide to Playing. Hey, if you're like me, you love to listen to Outlaw Radio's live broadcast Saturdays, 3 p.m. Pacific, and even listen during the week, but you don't want to be tied to your computer. Here's great news for you nonconformists who own a cell phone. Go to RadioLoyalty.com and locate the Outlaw Radio free app. Yes, I said free. Santa Claus got your letter. You can now hang with the wrong crowd on radio wherever you go. Think of the laughs you'll have in your church pew or while sitting on a jury. Join Magic Matt Allen and his circle of celebrities and academic halfwits. Whether you're on the go, on the take, or on the make, 
Change the way you listen to radio seven days a week with the app that is free, complimentary, and gratis at RadioLoyalty.com. Hi, I am the legendary Burl Bear, and I have no artistic talent whatsoever. I can't draw a straight line with a ruler, but I can type. As Truman Cabote said about Harold Robbins, he doesn't write, he types. And I write and I type. I write true crime books. My latest one is Body Count, the true story of the Spokane serial killer, Robert Lee Yates. You should buy several copies immediately. While you're at it, pick up Headshot, more than two and a half psychopaths, three trials, and a judge that walks out screaming, this trial is giving me eccentric headache number 830 and storms out of the courtroom. And pick up Masters of True Crime, 17 true crime authors, all between the covers together. Edited by our friend Arberry Flowers, and you'll find me in there along with Catherine Ramsland and oh, a bunch of other true crime hotties. <laughs> so, buy all my books, and of course, when it finally eventually comes out, uh, pick up uh, uh, Jack Alias Vincent, Vincent Alias Jack, or whoever the hell he is, and we'll get back to that interview in just a moment on True Crime Uncensored. True Crime Uncensored. Yeah. You got more? With Burl Bear <laughs> and Howard Lapidus. Always uh, good to be uh, here. Yeah, it's good to be here. And don't forget Mark. Can't forget me. I would. Okay, and we forgot Mark. Yeah, Featuring <laughs> Mark C.G. Boyer. Oh, there I am. And sometimes oh. Marie Mecca. I've been here Esquire, hasn't, hasn't done the show in six minutes. Produced by Magic Matthew Allen. Who in turn is produced by the really In turn is produced by Laurie Downey Jr. Who wouldn't want to be produced by Laurie. Okay, now I'm looking at this picture done by Vincent Van Gogh. Uh, the one that's called uh, Iris Myris in a Vase and Against the Wall. And, uh,. Big as you're an artist, you know how to look deeply into these uh, photos, Dale, I mean, into these paintings. And I'm really impressed with the one where you can clearly see, and people can look at this on your website, the hand and the knife and the uh, English Bobby with his helmet on. Uh, when did you find that one? That must have blown your socks off. Well, I mean, it, it took months and months of, you know, analyzing that painting to uncover these different images. You know, cause, I mean, you're talking about a master magician who has hidden these images in a, in a beautiful painting, which is totally deceptive. You know, using line, color, and tone, you can fool the eye. That's the whole idea of an artist. But yeah, it, it took a while to find it. Yeah, that's pretty amazing stuff. Uh, I mean, it reminds me of back in the 60s when we drop acid and look at uh, album covers. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure that does, bro. Hey, so Dale, so, uh, so Vincent Van Gogh was Jack the Ripper, and... And what? Yeah, that's my point. <laughs> and, and then what? Then what do we do about it? It's kind of late to arrest him. Enough? That's not good enough for you? Does this Jack the Ripper? Well, I'm going to sleep. He's also the torso killer. I'm going to sleep tonight knowing he's not coming over. <laughs> what's, the, uh, what's the correlation between the last uh, official murder and Van Gogh stopping? What? Dead. Ah. The correlation is, number one, he killed for his mother's birthday on the first murder while he was living in London. Her birthday was on September the 10th. That victim was uh, September the 5th. And then he did it again during the Jack the Ripper murders. He, uh, Annie Chapman, he killed on the 8th. And I believe that same night he killed another torso victim. So, so are you going to tie him to 9-11 also? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is serious business, man. Um, no, and, and her birth, that was on September the 8th. Two, he killed that night also for his... And then the last murder, that's why I bring it up, 
1889. It was a torso kill. It's called the Pinson Street Torso. Mm-hmm. That, it's meant to be a torso kill. I believe he's both torso killer and Jack the Ripper. And he combined the two in this. He did a torso kill, but he deposited the body in the Whitechapel district to show, and also cut her stomach, cut off her legs or head to be a torso kill, but deposit there on the date of her mother's, his mother's 70th birthday, September 10th. To end, that was to end the murder. That's kind of reminds me of Norman Bates. <laughs> yeah, he planned it. But, but the reason, Yeah. Yeah, the mother's always important in these psychopaths, yes. But he, he, the reason he ended the murders related to just flat-out fear, for one thing. There was other issues going on with him in, in his life, but it was fear of the, the police. Uh, a guy named Dr. Phillips started changing the way they did business as far as the police, and, and it's what we do today. We, we withhold information. Before, before he got in there and he had a tough time with all the other coroners at each of the inquests where they, he would say, I think we need to withhold this. I don't want to give all the details of the autopsy. And they would force him to tell. But finally, somebody listened to him, and, and he got his way. And with the Mary Kelly murder and, and onward forward, forward they, uh, they stopped giving out all that information. I, I think he put the fear of God in Vincent. They, he, they took back the control. He had complete control with the Ripper letters. He's controlling the police, the newspapers, the, the people of London and Europe. And here you go. He got, he, you know, it's fear, flat-out fear he's going to be caught. So you, you think he committed murder, other murders than the ones attributed to Jack? Yeah, the, the two murders while he lived in London, they're, they're known as the Torso Murders. The Ripperologists know this area also, at least they know most of them. Uh, the two murders he committed while he was living in London, 1873-74. The, the second one was, to, to get to more of the motive, was during the time that he was rejected by his landlord, uh, landlady's daughter, 19-year-old daughter. And, and it was the same time period, another woman's body shows up in the Thames. And, uh, but but it, it, there was a big gap there. He decided to give up art gallery stuff and, and become a preacher, of all things, like his father. And, uh, and then he gave that up years later and became an artist. But I believe he also murdered his father. He was living under his house when this occurred. I believe he also then, when he moved to live with uh, his brother Theo in Paris, that he also murdered while he was there. There's another woman. Yeah, I was going to mention part. this. Uh, psychopaths and killers usually can't resist doing it they can only go so long without and if he's in paris uh chances and if he was doing this chances are he's bumping on people there as well well couldn't he have used the patch <laughs> hey, hey dale let me ask you something does if this information becomes widely acceptable if your theory takes on catches and people go you know what all the math works what yeah. happens what happens to the value of the van gogh collection oh, i think they increase they increase greatly <laughs> You would think the other way, but uh, no, I think they increased greatly the interest of, oh my gosh, this guy was Jack the Ripper. Well, I mean, Especially you know, the Iris thing. I mean, uh, the Star Star Night went for, what, $54 million? <laughs> and he, and he didn't get a cent of it. Um, <laughs> did his art generate any income for him while he was alive? Uh, no, that's the important thing to know. He was a nobody during his life, and it, he sent all of his artwork to his brother Theo to sell, but he wouldn't let him sell it because Theo had to sell it through Google's, and he had problem, you know, animosity towards people because they fired him. He wouldn't let him sell them, for one thing, but nobody wanted to buy him anyway. And But but no, he was a nobody that's important for the, a lot of people think this famous guy walking around, somebody's getting up. No, he's What's, walking around. Give me the chain. From, from the time he died, uh, um, kind of lay out what happened to his collection and how it increased in value. Well, you had, uh, uh, Theo had 
kept all of his letters that he was sending, and, they, and quite a bit. He had 800 letters. About 600 of them were to Theo. Theo died six months after Van Gogh died. Vincent died, I believe, related to the, the connection, the manipulation, the sympathy he had had on him so long. It just flat-out grief and anger, and I covered all that in the book. But, but it was his wife, Johanna, Theo's wife, that picked up and took those letters and then had them translated and, and moved. And the artwork, uh, Bernard and Gauguin, these other artists, they, they, they put it out there. Got it. it took years. But I'm, trying to follow, got I'm, I'm trying to follow the money. Yeah. I'm trying to follow the money. Yeah, so it went from Van Gogh, who got nothing, to his brother, who died six six months later? Or did Van Gogh yeah. die? Who, which one died first? Vincent. Van Gogh shot himself in the stomach, and right. six months later, from grief, I believe, and anger, at, at, he had turned his back on Vincent finally after all this time. He had, he had listened to his wife. He had a new baby. He, he was telling Van Gogh, Vincent, get out there and get a job. And uh, this, this helped lead him to what he had been talking about, threatening all along, the suicide. Okay, and, so uh, so he kills himself, and then Theo is dead. Now the now the collection rests with Theo's widow. Yes, okay. he had the majority of. Yeah. Okay, then what happened to it? Well, then she sold some of them off, but but they were going out and promoting them. Like I said, uh, Bernard Emil Bernard was one of them. The, the other artist that he knew that really pushed his artwork, but it's you know his paintings are, are spread out all over the world in museums, but you have the main museum. The Van Gogh Museum, of course, and that's where the Iris's painting is at today. And you know, they started their their own organization to to keep and try to collect back, bring all those paintings back to the Van Gogh, you know, museum. I'm still trying to follow the money. Yeah, who who wound up making money off of Van Gogh's yeah. art? Well, the Van Gogh family made money, but anybody who happened to own his artwork, as as time went on and they sell sold the art. I mean, like I said, they're all over the place. Not just because people bought them over time. I mean, they spread out. From the beginning. Yeah, but it's not like, not like there were royalties, you know. I mean, it's not like you know, every time the painting sells, uh, the Van Gogh family gets a cut of the take. Uh, today, well, not let's, anymore. Let's say today I, I want to buy a Van Gogh. What would I do? Well, you're going to go to auction if it's available for sale. And if it comes up for bid, you got $54 million, you might get one, Howard. Maybe yeah, I do. I didn't, I didn't well, know you were that well. Yeah. He could be. Hey, he spent 89 days with Paul Abdul. He can do anything. <laughs> What excruciating! <laughs> Shot myself in the foot and stomach. <laughs> so, uh, just an aside, Dale. Sorry. What was uh, Van Gogh's uh, pathology for the eviscerations, the collecting uh, of the body parts? Uh, well, I think it's uh, control, power, humiliation, taking them, taking the, the trophies. You know, the typical psychopath thing. But its main thing is for escalation. He wants. Well, I mean, what, what did you do with the uterus once you've got it? <laughs> well, in some of the letters, he talks about feeding an ear to, to a dog, and, you know, he, he could do anything he wants. You know, whatever he finds that's going to be thrilling that he needs to do to have an enjoying, enjoyable experience. Yeah, because, you know, it's, it, it's kind of difficult, even in that time frame, to be wandering around a city or even, from your premise, riding a train for a day. Uh, with, uh, you know, a bag full of internal human parts without oh, cooling. Well, he's not, he's not taking them with him. He's dumping them. I mean, he's not going to hang on to those. Well, see, one of, the, one of the problematic things that we have with the theory is that, according to some of the other research, there has never been a case of uterus theft conducted by a man before. They're usually when a woman's uterus is ripped out is by another woman. Well, Van Gogh did a lot of things first, you know? <laughs> 
He was a, a psychopath who wanted he he who is who in history has escalated like that, gotten the public eye on on that, and created the persona, sent the letters, the control, the complete domination, and to get it out there. And you can see with each of the murders, the escalation. He goes from you know removing parts, and then he goes to facial cuts, and then he then he goes to the incredible humili- humiliation and torture of of, of Mary Kelly. Well, it, think, it does. Oh, excuse me. It does fit with the pattern of psychopaths. Yes, Mark. I think one of the things that uh, I'm having trouble with, maybe some of the listeners are, is they have to separate the famous image that we have of this individual from yeah. the historical time frame where he was just another person, just another nutcase. No one, no one really knew. Oh my God, that's the artist Van Gogh. He was just another nut job wandering around, mumbling to himself. Yeah. So you have to separate the famous aspect from it and put Definitely. yourself in the position of just being another Joe or, in that case, an, an, you know, another, another Harold wandering <laughs> the streets in London. Yes, definitely. I mean, that's that's been a hurdle to get. You hear the name Vincent Van Gogh was Jack the Ripper immediately. Oh, that's some kind of Internet crud, you know, the dog skateboarding or something like. yeah well where is dog skateboarding i like that, I like that one <laughs> yeah i like hey, that hey dale dale how did he uh, become such an expert with uh with Good the scalpel question. with what i'm sorry the scalpel how do you what, know what? how do you know how to cut like a doctor there's there's no skill in cutting somebody's arms and legs off or as far as the torso murders or the head or or opening up somebody's belly but but look this man knows anatomy he studied anatomy with his artwork. So, I mean, he knows the inside and outside of of uh, those victims. Especially the insides. This is, this is part of the problem. You say, you know, about people, the image of him today being famous, part of the problem back then and today is all those red herrings. When you get kind of sidetracked with, hey, was he a medical man? Was he this? Or he, he had dark hair and dark mustache and dark hair, sinister looks, all that. Who, no, he, who, 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 who have you convinced of this theory? Who? Well, my agent, thankfully. <laughs> well, that's the look. An agent is an agent is an agent. I love agents. They were some of my best friends, but they can only sell uh, to someone that buys. And, yeah. And so the only person so far is, that's joined you up on the mountaintop is your agent. Hey, look, this is how history works. Yeah, that's how many right. times in history have you seen this kind of thing where the, the standard is this, you know, flat earth kind of thing? Hey. Uh, other medical discoveries. No, look, and, it's, and other... it's, it's what I do for a living, in all seriousness. <laughs> uh, so, yep. so right. no, I understand, I understand how that works. I understand how things like that can work. Uh, and that's why my question lives, is, is who else? Because, uh, you know, I've done that with people, but I, you know, convince one person, and then I've got to convince ten, and then the ten have to convince a hundred. Well, it's an interesting theory, no matter how you slice it, no pun intended. And the guy has certainly done his artwork investigation. Well, there's no question about that part, but I'm just wondering, you know, who's who's buying it? Well, they can't buy it yet. Because the book's not out yet. No, but he's... No, 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 no. I mean, who's buying the theory? We don't know who's buying the theory because in order to buy the entire theory, you have to have all the information, all the artwork, the comparison of the handwriting analysis. You have to buy the book is what you have to do. And the name of the book is... Doesn't exist yet. Right, but the name of the book is... Vincent, Vincent Alias Jack. Right, so if so people that want the book should 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 request the book. That's the kind of noise that gets to a publisher. Right. So that's all there I'm trying. Go. I'm just trying to help somehow. Because uh, I, I think it's a fun ride, quite frankly. So you found you found um, um, potential yeah. potential correlations between this particular picture painting and the sixth victim. 
Uh, did yeah. he encode any other uh, information and other of others of his art? Did he have yeah. other victims in his art? Not other victims, but uh, yeah, I found other. Th- I, I cover a few others that are not as significant of the, as the Irish painting, but then there's others I, I have found. But I, you know, I can't fit all that in the book. Are there any Ninas in in these paintings? Any what? <laughs> it's a Hirschfeld joke. Oh, very. Never mind. Never mind. If you have to explain it, we don't want to know about. Oh, it. you don't want to know. No, we don't want to know. Well, here, here's another important fact about it. You had the false image of of Jack the Ripper out there in the papers and such with with false uh, witnesses and such saying, "I saw a man with a dark hair, a black mustache." And it just they just end up repeating this after each murder with some kind of witness wanting to get themselves out there. But the one that stands out is on the night of Mary Kelly's murder, a, another prostitute walking behind Mary Kelly and the, a man followed her right behind her as Mary Kelly walked into her room with that man. She saw that man who then turned around. There's a, a street light right there, a lamp. And she described that man as having a carroty mustache and pockmarked face and described, you know, this isn't a, a black-haired guy with a black mustache. No, a carroty mustache. And this is the night of a murder. She just Tur- murdered a few hours later. Turns out it was uh, Harvey Levin's great-grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> Next will be Harvey Levin was Jack. No. Mm. <laughs> Wasn't Freddie Mercury's grandfather? No, no. Freddie Mercury was Zoroastrian. <laughs> he was. Well, I'm sitting here uh, looking at the George, photographs of the... Actually, mu- you're standing. I'm standing looking at the pictures of the pure, poor mutilated person who also had a big chunk of their leg lobbed off. And in the yeah. painting, you can see the uh, the leg with the bone and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, like I said, that was good psychedelics. You know? <laughs> Burl, yeah. It's a bigger... Well, this is, yeah. this is the point of those images. It's not just that AIC, this kind of thing. It's backed up by the information and the facts. And one of those... The interesting part of what you're bringing up is uh, Jack the Ripper, you know, removed the flesh of that right thigh and also then broke that bone. And you can see it in the in the picture. It's hard to look at, but still. But in the painting, the same thing. He represents that with a yellow background and then shows a break. And the, the tie-in here is that Vincent Van Gogh's mother fell off a train getting off and broke her right thigh bone up close to, the, to her hip bone, hip joint. And he helped nurse her back to health. He was there when the doctor set the bone. So a lot of this ties back into his whole thing with his mother. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. A little Oedipus complex going on here? Yeah, I think so. And then plus they opened up the motel. Any sign of Jody Arias in this thing? <laughs> no. <laughs> Just no, no, she's a pain in the ass. Uh, da bump Well, this is absolutely uh, amazing. Now, give me the website again. It's uh, vincentaliasjack.com. That's correct, yeah. And if you go there, which uh, which we have, and uh, in fact we printed out all this stuff, which of course you can't see on the radio, uh, Dale has managed to give you close-up pictures of the Van Gogh drawings, highlighting the areas that show exactly what he sees. Some of the stuff I don't see as clearly as he does. Some of the stuff does leap right off the page at you, specifically the one with the knife, uh, the hand holding the, the knife and the uh, the bobby and all that stuff, and the faces and the A broken bobby leg. bobby is what they used to call the... The, uh, London police. Yes, not the Barbies, as in the Persian religious group. Yeah, right. Uh, so it's pretty amazing stuff, uh, and the only way to really research all of it, aside from looking at the material he has on his website, is when the book finally comes out, and then that's when we're going to have the steel cage match between <laughs> between you and the guy who wrote Hand of a Woman, which is another great book. Uh, which, whatever way it goes, the entire Jack the Ripper uh, story and the history has been one that's been fascinated people for years and years and years. How, been- how come? 
how come the fascination with Jack the Ripper? Seriously. That's a, Dale, what do you think? Well, I mean, number one, because he wasn't caught. Number two, because he had a name, and that name got out there and publicized. He got that dramatic kind of effect of not only in London, but all throughout Europe and around the world. And, and it continues today because of that mystery that surrounds it. Too bad he could have done licensing and merchandising. Yeah, I want to get the caps. <laughs> and the Jack the Ripper knife set. I bet you we could. So, I wonder who owns that. No one. It's public domain. Well, what if I was to go grab it? You could grab it. Okay. You could do it. But you'll get slapped. By whom? Well, whoever the young lady. By Vincent Van Gogh. We'll come back from beyond the crypt. <clears> hmm. <throat> So what's next on your agenda now that you've solved this one? <laughs> well, well, I want to believe this, and I'm still having trouble. Well, you know, it's uh, it's it's it's, it's a, definitely it's a, out there. Because oh, I like I like Dale. Go ahead, Mad, well, Magic Matt Allen. I would like again. to know why Howard has trouble with this theory as opposed to the other theories. What? So which theory do you believe? I, I don't. No, I, I'm at, don't interrupt me. I'm asking you which theory do you put your money on? I don't put my money on any of them. Then if you don't put your money on any theory, how can you have a, a problem with this theory? Because I have a problem with it. I have a problem with I, all I'm, the theories. I'm sorry. It's a non-answer, <laughs> Your Honor. Yeah. See, now my, my money has previously been on the hand of a woman theory. Uh, I, w- I read that book. Why and is I, Matt I, busting my ass today? Because it's fun. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just want to check. <laughs> and entertaining. Uh, yeah. Now, well, because, because someone has to be honest about this. When when you're busting his ass, you're saying you're having a tr- trouble with his theory. Yeah, I it am. It makes no sense if you have no comparison. It's not a matter of comparison. I mean, so, it's, 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 look, there yes, could be... Yes, it is a matter of comparison. There could be six so many more, years ago, they never six, caught the guy. And, and any of these theories are up for grabs. I got to tell you, this guy sounds pretty feasible and one of the rare guys it doesn't sound like he's off his rocker oh come on you're dale hang on a second this is just for effect he's off his rocker (laughs) just for effect and um i suggest you get back on your rocker and slow it down because it's making noise (laughs) yeah yeah squeaking a lot yeah Yeah. mark when it comes to the comedy leave that to like matt hey you know i gave it a shot shoot me I Don't did. Shoot me. Okay, I thought now. you guys were going to have some more ear jokes to be no, 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 no. We leave the ear jokes to our listeners. <laughs> the, the ears, the, but this has been that's an the low, that's daring the low, story. That's the low-hanging fruit. You know, it really is the low-hanging ear. Now, what about murders in in uh, in France? Well, how many people do you think he bumped off over there? Uh, just uh, one while he was living with his brother in Paris, and then I believe he left there. That was in '86. I believe he left from there in '87 to travel to London to murder what is known as the Rainham victim, which is also in London. It's, again, a torso kill, the body parts found in the Thames. And then 88, of course, you've got the, the Jack the Ripper murders again. Well, you know, it's kind of, it'd be kind of time-consuming to completely separate a torso with a scalpel. So he, he must have had a larger implement. How, how do you know all this? Because, um, because I got tired after a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I had to well, abandon I don't know my why attempt. I don't know why you're thinking scalpel. It's a knife. You've, you've got a, Van Gogh actually carried a knife, a class knife, and that that's part of the importance of it. How, how did he make it through security at the train? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, TSA was there. <laughs> right. Yeah, doing a full body search. I'm sorry, sir. You can't have that knife up your toes. <laughs> 
Well, this is certainly going to be one for one for the books, and it should be a book, uh, because you certainly, uh, especially from the, uh, the art angle is what fascinates me. Because as an, uh, as an artist, you know how artists use lines, direction, much like a director uses a, a stage or a film yeah. director manipulates the eye uh, in different levels of meaning and different levels of perception. And that's, I find that the most fascinating aspect of your research is uh, the things that you have found in the paintings. But then again, someone can say, oh, that's like when you look at clouds and you see faces. You know, do you get yeah. that kind of uh, objection? I always see the the Mother Mary, by the way. You're not even Catholic. In, in, in my cereal. Is yeah. she coming to me? Yeah. Well, there is, with artwork, as with other clouds in the sky and the coffee, there is, there's happenstance, will happen, and images pop out. But but being an artist and, and looking at artwork and you you understand the, the, how the artist is using, you break it down, line and color and all that, you see that things are done intentionally, and you, and, and it, you gain an understanding of that. So that, that's where I'm coming from on that. It's just going to take a lot of people uh, a time, number one, to get over that it's Van Gogh doing this, but also to get, out, get, get past that, hey, this is real. Yeah, well, that's one point uh, I want to emphasize is that in all art, whether it is visual art or audio art or film or stages, everything is on purpose. If the person, and someone who has total control, such as a visual artist, a painter, where they have, of course, complete control of the imagery. And it's yeah. in, everything is intentional. Nothing is accidental. And uh, that's what I find so fascinating about this. That if you are correct, then he has some good cutlery. Hmm. So, uh, do you, uh, is your opinion that um, he deliberately placed uh, the symbolic imagery into this particular painting? Of course. Painting. What do you think? It well, it could have accident. been subconscious. Do you think? No, 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 no not <laughs> a chance. If you're buying yeah, into this theory, this thing, is, uh, this thing is in the forefront of his mind. And this is part of that, that psychopathic mind is he's enjoying reliving. He painted this a year after the Ripper murders, and he's enjoying that and reliving it. And I believe and bragging and bragging artistically bragging about what he's done. How old was Van Gogh? Yeah. When he, how old was Van Gogh when he died? Uh, he was uh, thirty-seven. Wow. But the, the important part of the age, though, is he was thirty-five during the Jack the Ripper murders, and one of the Jack the Ripper letters he wrote, "I'm thirty-five and still alive." Hmm. Now, uh, there's a lot of those matches. It's on so and on. How old, was, how, old, how old was Jack the Ripper when he died? <laughs> we don't know. 37. <laughs> we don't know for sure. Now it's uh, what was I going with this? The the thing of wanting to brag while not being caught is a real dilemma that faces all serial killers. Our friend Caitlin Rother, who's been on the show several times, and is a fabulous serial killer. No, she's not a serial killer, but she writes great <laughs> books. And in her book Body Parts, uh, this guy walks into the San Diego Police Department and says, "You guys are rather lame." I'm paraphrasing. I'm a serial killer, and you didn't even know there was one operating and I am him and I'm not getting enough publicity and I need to stop and they thought he was nuts until he pulled a few body parts out of his pocket and put them on the table. Which beats a well, full house, a, by the way. To have a little more fun with that, Van Gogh, he, when he sent this painting to his brother, he wrote, I hope you see something in it. And he also wrote at that same time, you'll see on that, on that website of the hidden images, you'll see that you know, where he says, I should like to paint portraits which would appear after a century to people living then as apparitions. That's exactly what he did. He painted this apparition that 120 years later, it, it, it's seen now. If I really look at one of these the paintings, will I find the words, Ask Dale? 
Yeah, there you go. Yes. That's Dale.com. There you go. <laughs> dun, dun. You, you know, we, we know you have a good sense of humor. I actually um, think that you're onto something here, at least uh, whether you're right or whether you're wrong, it's something to read. I think it's interesting. Yeah. I think it'd be it's, fun. It's, it is a fascinating theory, and you certainly have done uh, every every bit of... Now, you, people could either look at it that you started with a premise and worked your ass off to back it up, or uh, you, you stumbled on this and put the pieces together. Either way, it's, it's a fascinating here, subject. Here comes Matt again. Yes, Matt. <laughs> I, I may have missed this in the uh, the opening, but I, what does this guy do for a living? Who, Dale? Uh, I can't he hear didn't. him. Yeah, so oh. I, I'll go back to my booth and listen. But I, I'd like, yeah, no no one has asked him. Or, yeah, yeah, we he's, have. An he's an artist. He's an artist. He, he is an artist. Yeah, yes. good one. Damn good one. Yeah, but what does he do for a living? <laughs> nah. No, I, yeah, I worked in the IT world. I left my job to pursue this book. Yeah. Ah. I spent my savings up. Now now I, left, I left my, my job in San Francisco. What's that? <laughs> oh, never mind. Never yeah. mind. Uh, okay. So what, uh, what, what area of IT? It's uh, called iSeries AS400. Oh, wow. Uh, RV, I was so we all got that. I, I got that because uh, well, then, um, I am I, not an iSeries programmer, and I'm happy to say I'm not an iSeries developer. And uh, we don't know yeah. anything that you're talking about. It's a, it's a, this guy's real smart. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a feeling. Okay. It's, a, it's a mid-sized IBM uh, to, yeah. computer. We have, uh, we're just going to the VMAX at the Arc. That's great. The audience is really interested. <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, if you look at the chips, you'll find a body. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, that's cool. So you were a, well, yeah, a co-barfer. Yeah, I wanted to add this one area. The Jack the Ripper letters are a big part of the book throughout the thing, the matches and timing and content. And he also did drawings on the Jack the Ripper letters and, of course, in his own letters. I mean, I, I got all those letters from the uh, National Archives in the U.K., and, Analyze those. Have you had a handwriting problems? expert look look at them in addition to you looking at them? No, but as you can see from what I showed you, that the, what I focus on as far as handwriting, there are some very distinct characteristics. It's not even uh, necessary. Hopefully someday, you know, publicly, you get a handwriting expert. But hey, you go on a court, you're on the defense side, you get one that says this, you get a, hey, hey, one Dale, on the prosecution side that says that. Right? Dale, Dale, yes. how, how, come, how come you've taken three years of your life to go up on the mountains and scream this theory, <laughs> because I, I, I have, years now. okay, but I have to tell you the truth: you're not going to make a zillion dollars. You probably won't make back the money you would have made in IT, unless you make a movie. So, yeah. so it's not, it, not even if you make a movie. So, if if what's your end game here? Well, my end game is all this started from the dream of being a writer and also a dream of being a painter. Okay, this came along the way of I was going to write fiction. That was my whole goal. I studied creative writing, the craft of writing, and I wrote this book in that kind of manner of creative writing, but I stumbled onto this discovery and had to write a nonfiction book, which I had not planned on ever doing. Okay. That's Works out for L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah, 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 you know how to write fiction. <laughs> no, 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 but I, I, he had to have a motivation. The motivation, mm. I just was checking on the motivation. I think his motivation was he uh, he came across something that absolutely blew his mind and, and he pursued and it, it. it. But he wants to be a writer, which is great, and that, that's that's fine. There had to be a reason. I know. I, no, I understand that dream. part. I mean, he may yeah. make money not on this, but he may make money on writing the great American novel, and it could happen. Yeah, there you go. Yep. I know, I get it. All right. That's fair. I know well, what it's I, like I to be a writer. I can point this out about, about the uh, Ripper letters, the, the the relationship to the Ripper letters and the and the ear, you know, cutting with Van Gogh. You had all these Ripper letters starting at the end of September and into October, November, and a huge amount of Ripper letters. Eighty four of them received in October, uh, sixty two in November, and then down to nine in December. The, the point is, though, they ended on December the twenty third. 
That's the same day Vincent Van Gogh cut off his ear. And he was then admitted to the hospital and was not let out until January the 7th. Whoa, back up, back up, back up, back up. Go ahead. On the ear cutting bit, okay? He cuts yeah. off it. What did he use to cut off his ear? Just a table, a kitchen knife? A, a, a razor. A razor? Yeah, a razor. Okay. He, he came after Gogon first. Okay. So he cuts his ear off and he's bleeding like a stuck pig, right? Yeah. They put him in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was discovered or did he go to the hospital himself? Because I don't know anything about this. What? Yeah, they came and got him the next morning. How did they know to get him? Was he bleeding out? How did they well, find because him? Because he, he took his ear to a prostitute. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to think... give him something. Well, he won't work for free. Yeah, that hundred. This, is a... this man is about to tell you something so important <laughs> date-wise, and now you're talking about what did he use to cut his ear? Well, there's a reason for that. I'm going to get back to the <laughs> Yeah, date. but we only have a second left. But it, it, right. I'm, this is so interesting that he's in the hospital, and he's about to give you a date which is meaningful. And the yeah. date is... So he's got uh, he, December 23rd, he cuts off his ear. That's the last Ripper letter received. And then and another one is not received until January the 8th, the, the day after he gets out of the hospital. Well, that, gap of six, that gap of 16 days was the longest in that whole period of time, only five-day gap before that. Why'd they, keep him in, why'd they keep him in so long? Because the insurance companies didn't boot him out in those days. Well, because they thought he was crazy, and they put him back in again. Uh, the townspeople actually signed a petition. To say he was mad, he was touching women and picking them up, and nothing nothing that a sexual serial killer would do, right? Psychopath, but that was Van Gogh. They put him back, the police put him back in the hospital, and the date matched so well to that when he has the ability to send Jack the Ripper letters, and then when he can't and he's in the hospital or being held against his will, no Ripper letters. The pattern continues like that throughout all the time that he still has the ability to write the Ripper letters from the south of France. Hmm. Fascinating, Captain. Amazing. I must say, and then I'll, I'll back away, uh, you, you brought me a lot closer than I was in the beginning. All right. Well done, good. sir. I didn't say I'm there yet, but you brought me a lot closer. I okay. Look to the book. VincentAliasJack.com. That's VincentAliasJack.com. You can look at much of the evidence yourself, and uh, I'm eager for the book to come out and see the whole thing. And I want to thank you for coming on the air and putting up with us. Uh, you defend your, your case very, very well, Dale. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, my pleasure. A lot of fun. We'll, yeah, have, we'll, the, have, we'll have you back. Yeah, when the book comes out, we'll have you back. Excellent. Okay. Look forward to it. Thanks a lot. Now, that's an interesting theory. It, it is. It turns out he's a nice, very nice guy. Yeah, yeah. smart, too. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah, yeah. smart fellow. But I, I would like to have a steel cage match between him and the uh, well, guy who had Hannibal. Let's do that, by the way. That, that's a big I fun think it'll show. be fun to do yeah, to get the... Do we've had three guys on with three different Jack the Ripper theories. Let's do that I want to get them all on yeah, at the same time. Let's do it. Let's do it. And have them fight it out. Here's a steel chair and an illegal object. <laughs> Magic Matt Allen, the Demons of Decadence, including Ralph Odierna, and Johnny Cosmo. Lapidus, legendary pearl bear, Mark C.G. Boyer, and the big-breasted Marie McKay, right here on Outlaw Radio, standard of a beleaguered.